I really believe and I truly feel in my heart that every single person out there that wants to get into real estate is underutilizing their current network. And what I mean by that is you've built relationships throughout your life. You see people that are successful doing great things. And why aren't you reaching out to them? Second thing here is people do not do enough due diligence. They hear their shiny influencer, they hear a podcast, they don't call up their buddy Joe, and they just go buy a property and they learn the hard way. There you go. There's your education. You just paid for it. Everybody's got a different way of learning too. It's uh, just how they consume information and how they um, how they can can learn. So, what uh, yeah. what are some good books that you've uh, that you've uh, read lately? So uh, lately, I'm on. All right, welcome to Real Estate Hustlers Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Appleman, founder and CEO of Appleman Properties. Today, we're joined with RJ DeLeon. RJ has a master's in accounting science with over 15 years in the corporate realm. Uh, RJ is more than just an expert. He is a passionate mentor dedicated to nurturing growth and fostering lifelong happiness and business and beyond. RJ, we're excited to have you on the show today. If you could, let everyone know a little bit more about yourself. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. I'm a little sick, so my voice might not come through correct, but... For all the guests, excited to be here. Uh, like Josh said, have a master's degree in accounting, really worked in corporate in both public and private accounting, moved to B2B sales for Fortune 1000, all the way down to Fortune 100 companies, have quite a bit of experience selling to C-suite and executive level uh, levels of corporate. So. Even though I've only been in real estate like six years, I say uh, I've been training for this all my life. So even before college. That's, that's awesome. It sounds like you've just uh, found yourself in alignment with real estate. You've been searching for it and you finally found it. That's correct. And um, accounting is extremely important and uh, it gives you kind of an unfair advantage, which is great for you in, uh, in real estate as far as underwriting, understanding rent rolls, understanding T12s, understanding um, leases. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that's helped you with uh, your journey in real estate. Sure. It's, it's helped significantly, even if, well, my accounting experience was actually in uh, client accounting services doing financial statements for class A assets. So I actually worked for Jones Lang LaSalle. They're the second in the world for commercial real estate yeah. services. Also Golubin Company. Golubin Company is a small family office. Started in the 50s with duplexes. Now they own 10 billion in assets across multiple countries. They're, um, they're very widely renowned for their property management capabilities and their accounting capabilities as well. So that's one of those things that I wish I would have taken those jobs a little bit more seriously. I know accounting didn't align with me and my personality. So I did everything that I could to get by. I went above and beyond, you know, every now and then. 
a typical worker and do the least I can. It's been invaluable um, being able to see a balance sheet, trial balance, general ledger, being able to see the cash flow statement. It has been valuable, extremely valuable. I know my way around those those financial statements. However, in partnerships, you want to do what you're good at, what your passions are. So even though I have that experience, that is not my realm in the partnerships that I'm in today. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, it kind of gives you a um, the advantage to see the numbers and see behind the scenes of what some of these other corporate conglomerates are doing and how they yep. underwrite deals and how they how they purchase deals. I mean, you're, you're right in the thick of it. So it gives you just a, a behind the curtain look at, at everything as a whole. Um, so how many units do we own right now? The first deal that we got into was in 2017. And all it was, was a triplex. My wife and I were thinking about my, she wasn't my wife then. We had only been dating about four months when we realized that, hey, we want to do something better with our lives. She said, what do you think about this relationship? I said, I like it. Let's take it how it goes. And she said, nope, we need something better. We need a plan. If you see a future in our relationship, what do you want to do? Because I don't want to work for somebody the rest of my life. So I looked at her, I said, oh, well, I like real estate. And she said, good, me too. Here's books, here's articles, here's podcasts. So we got to work and we bought our first triplex eight months into our relationship. We're only dating new friendship, new relationship, new business venture, new jobs. Even we met, I met her at a job. So it was a little a little crazy so we bought in the neighborhood of bronzeville i'm not sure are you from chicago area but no i'm just outside of northern kentucky cincinnati okay got it well there's this uh nice little neighborhood called bronzeville that was traditionally in a not very friendly neighborhood but it was experiencing this squeeze between University of Chicago, Hyde Park, and, and um, South Loop, Chicago. So it's this little strip right in there, just east of the highway. Um, a lot of people were saying that's too risky. You don't know what you're doing. You're, um, you guys are just a target. You're a mark. We ended up buying uh, a house that people didn't think would come back to life. We bought it for 211 with FHA financing, uh, put very little down, and I went to work, spent seven months rehabbing our unit. We kicked out the worst tenant, spent seven months rehabbing the unit, uh, cleaned up one of them, got that leased up right away, kept one legacy tenant, and, uh, you know, immediately off the back, off the bat, the mortgage was being paid for by our tenants. So that really allowed us to scale significantly because we took a risk. And yes, because we're green, we got into a project that we didn't think would be as much headache as it was, but it turned out to be a significant win. Uh, we put about 70,000 into it and refied at 465. 
So if you're nice. thinking about those numbers, 211, 70K, you know, we're in 280, uh, 281, refi 465. We took out, you know, over six figures in a cash out refi back when rates were still 3%. Wow, that's incredible. And that was your first deal, kind of propel you to the uh, to the next deal, correct? Yeah, we bought a commercial property less than a year later, six unit in Washington Park. And again, a lot of people told us not to buy it. It's not the right neighborhood, X, Y, Z. Um, our cost basis is about 430 and that property is valued at about 700 700 plus right now and wow. uh we got a extremely great commercial rate uh unheard of at the time we called about 33 different banks to find it and we finally settled on one and uh we're in business so that cash flow is about uh gross about 90k a year and awesome. uh and our cost basis is super low so it's just cash flowing. That's the uh, well. That's that's the power of real estate too. And start with one, one leads to two, and um, and yep. then before you know, you've got more. So, do you all do a exactly. property management in house, or you has a have a third party handling it? Sure, we do do property management in house for our uh, individual portfolio or personally owned portfolio. It's relatively easy, uh, only because somewhere in between those two properties. I created a construction company. It's called EJC Partners. We're multifamily focused, uh, investor friendly uh, contractors. So that happened because I was always a social media forward person, personality. And people started reaching out to me and saying, hey, can you help me out? And uh, I had the opportunity. I had some guys that wanted work and I talked to the guys, said, you want to start a company? And they said, sure. I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll keep you busy as long as I can. And now that company has been running over four years. Nice. Very cool. I'm yep. assuming you have project managers in front of you and then the back end staff and sure. um, handling the workload and all that good stuff. Well, that scaling actually just started to take place. I was I was a glorified hustler. I was in charge of everything. And uh, looking back now, it's a significant learning experience because that, that, um, that experience with DJC Partners has allowed me to grow and see what I did incorrect. Scaling now, I'm in Connecticut. I haven't been back in Chicago for about seven months, but yes, now I have project managers. I have number two operations guys, site guys, and they run day-to-day -day operations for me. And they've actually pushed me and allowed me Go do your CEO stuff. Go figure yeah. out how to grow the company. Stop, stop dealing with this. Yeah, that that's um that's essential to have staff that keeps you out of the weeds. That way you can grow the company, keep keep your your vision on the future. That way that keeps them busy all the way down the line, and it, it enables them to grow too. 
if you've Absolutely. got staff that constantly keeps pulling you back into the weeds, then it just distracts the um, the company as a whole, headed on the on both ends. But you've got Absolutely. key players in front of you. It's it's uh, it's huge. That's um, so. Tell us about your biggest deal you've done so far. So the biggest deal that we've done so far actually is not in real estate. It's in the cannabis world. Um, okay. So I'm actually repping some of our brand brand right here. This is Vertical Dispensaries. This is our dispensary arm for a cultivation facility that I'm part of. We're vertically integrated. I am um, I'm involved in operations for a multi-state cannabis operations that is valued approximately at $120 million. So wow. it's, uh, uh go ahead. Incredible. Me and the, uh, yeah. the wife were driving through Destin. I think this was probably a few months ago. And, um, there was a dispensary with a drive-through and the <laughs> drive, I mean, there was cars wrapped around the entire building. Is that, is that what we're talking about here? Dispensaries with drive-throughs? So, no, not dispensaries with drive-throughs, but, you know, items like that is very specific market to market. Um, it's a heavily nuanced industry. A lot of people only know what they know through negative news, and we know the news never portrays things in a positive light. Um, and working with a lot of the investors, you hear things that sort of make you angry like in real estate if we hear oh i'm waiting for the market to come down my aunt tells me the market's gonna crash i'll buy next year uh so if you think about everybody that was saying that since 2017 and where we're at now uh you know it's one of those i told you so why don't you listen and educate yourself rather than take uh <laughs> take somebody's blind word at it when they don't even know what they're talking about either. So, I mean, to us, it, to me, it looked like business was booming. It's, um, it, I, regulations are high for the people that are, that are getting into it when sure. the state starts to regulate it, but man, it's, um, comes legalized and, and, uh, I could see where it could be a $120 million valuation for sure. Yeah. That's, uh, that's huge. So what's, what is the, um, what is your your forecast on real estate? Where do you want to take that business to? So currently I'm building a development company, me and my wife. My wife is involved in everything I do from passive investing to active. Uh, the only thing that she's not really involved in is a construction company. But when it comes to any of our syndications, anything, the development team, that's uh she's involved and that's where we're going real estate specific i'm starting to pivot a little bit into uh, maximizing on the nascent industry of cannabis i will always be a real estate operator but you got to think about the long runway and the difficulties that real estate investors are seeing today in the current market that's why i'm pivoting over to development we have a significant gap of assets. We're, we've been at a lack of inventory for a significant amount of time. Uh, first time home buyers are, uh, the millennials have just overtaken baby boomers and the largest population in the United States are coming to age first time home buyers. So 
all the other micro nuances, macro markets, all that, we'll figure out. It's not really to be discussed here on this podcast because we'll never be able to cover all the nuances of that either. But uh, developments where I'm going and hopefully, not hopefully, by the end of the year, we will have broken ground on a few uh, new single family homes, 1,700 square feet, under half a million dollars to fill that gap for the first time home buyers that can't afford these three quarter, $1 million homes that are on the market. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely disparity between affordable and, and realistic for sure. Yep. And um, it's just, and now you've got rising rates and um, usually after rising rates, we see, um, see a pullback. No, Invitation Homes, they just completed a $650 million purchase single family homes mm-hmm. uh, and their average purchase price on that that uh, acquisition was 388,000 per house so yeah. i mean to, to make a purchase that that substantial um they see they see things on the horizon where where no matter what real estate is um uh, it's resilient it's yep. going to to make it through any economic environment it's just uh, playing in the right uh, the right markets right sandbox being mm-hmm. there at the right time too and uh, I would assume that they bought them at a discount with uh, the way the market is currently today, which that, that's what we're all after. Yeah. And unfortunately, that business model is highly transactional. You know, we're involved in real estate for the residual income, for the passive income that is absolutely not passive, but we're in it for the cash flows. Uh, when you're in development, unless you're keeping them for rentals or B&Bs, it's a highly transactional play, and we're okay with that. Yeah, it, definitely. The operator side, we're um, we're managing, uh, we're putting on the um, the show. I mean, everything looks good on the yeah. other side. But there's a lot to manage on the operations, making sure rents are collected, making sure renovations are being done on time, um, yeah. evictions, uh, just. Uh, it, routine inspections just on and on and on everything list goes on <laughs> yeah and, and you know just with any business there is always the um there, there's always the uh, how do i say it? <laughs> it, it it all has its nuances it all has its, yeah. uh, its things to deal with it's yeah. um you know it just depends on how deep in the um in the gutter you want to go with with uh, each business but you know even your cannabis business it's going to have things that that um that you have to deal with that are just you know, operational um, constraints. Yep, absolutely. So, but but I think it's just you know, at, sorry. As real estate investors, what do we do? We understand as much as we can, and we just mitigate the risk. And then we understand our own tolerance and whether or not a deal fits for us. We move forward or we pull back. I mean, if you operate in another industry, it's no different. Do your homework up front. Make sure you understand all the nuances that you can. Do your due diligence and then make the proper assessment. That's it. Yeah, for sure. So if a, um, say a beginner is wanting to get into real estate, they're wanting to connect the dots, figure out what the, uh, what the best uh, path is to, uh, to learn yeah. the language. How would you sure. recommend that they start, uh, start educating themselves? Well, first and foremost, I really believe and I truly feel in my heart that every single person out there that wants to get into real estate is underutilizing their current network. And what I mean by that 
is you've built relationships throughout your life. You see people that are successful doing great things. And why aren't you reaching out to them? If you want to be a real estate professional and you see uh, your friend Joe over there has flipped 20 houses this year, why would you go pay for a mentor to learn the same thing? And you could just call Joe up and say, hey, Joe, trying to get into it. How can I learn? Second thing here is people do not do enough due diligence. They hear their shiny influencer, they hear a podcast, they got some cash sitting in the bank and they're like, ah, this is easy. They don't call up their buddy Joe and they just go buy a property and they learn the hard way. There you go. There's your education. You just paid for it because you lost on that real estate. And typically those same people are the people that if you ask them about real estate, they'll be like, don't ever do it. I did it once and I lost. Well, you didn't do it correctly. So I truly believe in my heart, the number one thing that people do not do is leverage the current networks. Everything else, podcasts, etc. Yeah, you can find it. There's a plethora of free resources out there. I host the group. It's all free resources, no sales pitch. And uh, I have friends that got into real estate. I told them to join my group. And they said, what are you trying to sell me? Now they're on a duplex that they've owned for six years and haven't grown their skill. And I still don't think they're part of my group. It's, it's really weird. It's really weird. I think... I think it's an ego thing. And uh, this point in my career, I have no problem saying, hey, you're doing it wrong. Don't come to me and justify why you did something when you want to learn from me. Don't talk to me about what you're doing. You're here to listen. I have no problem doing that nowadays. Everybody's got a different way of learning, too. It's uh, just how they consume information and how they um, how they can and learn so what uh, what are some good books that you've uh, that you've uh, read lately so uh lately i'm on traction again for the third time uh, traction is one um my favorite book actually that got me to change my mindset was mindset by carol dweck and the most inter- entertaining book i ever read Shout out to John Clem, John Clem of Quality Builders, uh, sent me Shoe Dog, and that's Phil Knight's memoir. And okay. uh, that was amazing. That was a lot of fun to read. Cool. Absolutely. And that's what it takes is a mind shift, book with mind yep. shift, and then you can, uh, you can gain some, some insights and some knowledge that might uh, change the trajectory of, of decision making just by, by yep. picking up the right book for sure. Uh, very cool. If a listener wants to reach out, learn more about you, and um, uh, just figure out what's going on, possibly get advice, how can they get a hold of you? So I actually have a podcast myself. It's Mindset Matters with RJ DeLeon. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google. We're pretty much everywhere that you could get a podcast. I am very heavily focused on Facebook, but I am currently building out my Instagram profile. 
So it's R period J period De Leon, D-E-L-E-O-N. That's Facebook and uh, Instagram. So just RJ DeLeon. Yep. Very cool. Well, I definitely look forward to following you and seeing how far you take your businesses. And certainly appreciate you coming on today. And um, we will certainly talk soon. Yeah. Enjoy Marcos Island. It looks beautiful out there. It is, man. RJ, I appreciate your time. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Yep. See you. All right. Bye. Bye.